1: I'm Samuel in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined today by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawera.
0: Kia Sam.
1: How are you? Very well. How was your weekend?
0: Uh, it was good. We introduced a new chicken to the hen house and um, there was blood. Uh, so we'll see how they settle down. I think they're going to be okay. All my chicken-owning friends tell me that it's just the pecking order being re-established and everything will be fine.
1: All your chickens are called George. All your animals are called yes. George. Yes. So you've got Chicken George, just like from Roots.
0: Yeah, well, we've got um, George Cluck 1, George Cluck 2, and George Cluck 3, and George Wolf 1.
2: <laughs> Not to interject there, guys, but isn't there a headless chicken song called George? Is there really? <laughs> oh, that's yeah, so good. It really is. <laughs> Fiona McDonald's saying it too, so I don't want to say there's some providence in calling your headless chicken George, but you can Google that fact. I think it's real.
0: I'm going to.
1: And who are you introducing today?
0: Um, uh, Today, it's my absolute joy to introduce a very hilarious, obviously, <laughs> Hayden Mariner. Um, he is a tourism consultant uh, and a political writer. Uh, I know him... Um, in a few different contexts, but um, most significantly at the moment with an election coming up um, in one of my election associations with Labour Party. And he is just a good bloke. Um, he He's a grassroots kind of guy who's out there um, making a difference that can be measured, and I appreciate that a lot. Welcome today, Hayden, and thank you for
1: sharing with us. Welcome, Hayden. Oh, cure,
2: cure my hey, um, thank you to both of you guys for having me along. Um, as a grassroots-focused person, I'm all about change on the ground. Um, I always believe that it's not enough to change things at governance level because actually it's the bureaucracy that actually implements that change. And if you can't see the bureaucracy making the change, and there's no real change, it's just, well, hot air blowing in the wind.
1: So how was your bubble life?
2: Um, my bubble life was actually a little different to everybody else's because I have been one of the few people, and I don't know how many of us are out there that has done quarantine in both New Zealand and Australia. So um, I've got to experience the quarantine conditions in isolation uh, in both Brisbane and in Auckland. And some of the myths uh, around what goes on in quarantine actually really puzzle me. They defy logic. And one of the things that I'm, I'm I, we, we were... Those of us that were in isolation, um, we weren't that isolated. Social media kept us in touch with the regular world, and what we saw as the perception of us in isolation actually was really damaging to your psyche. Um, we was, When you read the Facebook comments about what people thought of us who had returned home, my papa uh my Waitua is here in New Zealand, and for people to tell me that I was a burden to the taxpayer that I had no business coming home and that we were just trying to sneak out to take alcohol and drugs and do all those other, other sorts of things was hurtful. And um, I wish to get this out there really, really openly. Um, the people that tried to sneak out um, were in the 0.01% of the total number of guests and far No, that came home. They were not reflective of the attitude of all of us that had come home we totally wanted to keep our friends and family safe. We totally wanted to come home and do the right thing. The rare exception, well, the, they should have had the book thrown at them, but we should not have all been tarred with that brush. And that was insulting to those of us. And I was in a hotel with 600 people and only one of them snuck out.
1: Most of those people that snuck out, it was because they were, in a, you know, they were trying to get to a funeral or something.
2: Um, some of them were but um, in, in, in exceptional circumstances here they knew what they were coming into and the circumstances that they were coming back to. The New Zealand government, before I came back, they were extremely explicit about the rules and regulations as to what our quarantine would look like. They were also very very upfront with us about what exceptions would look like um, the people who I was on my Air New Zealand flight with were coming back to New Zealand for a tangy, and they understood that they had to do 14 days in quarantine, and they had no desire in any way, shape, or form to break the quarantine rules. Their fano understood that, so they moved the tangy date out to when they could when their fano could come back and do quarantine. That was a reality. Now I don't can't speak for everybody else, but I can say that it is possible and was possible to hold a tonguey and 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 make it make it and push the date out till the quarantine finished for friends and family.
1: We've talked quite a lot about, about the the positive messaging that we're getting from the government, particularly at, at the start. The whole thing was not a this is a, a you know. <laughs> oh my God, we're all going to die. It was a, a positive, we can do this, you know, be kind and so on. How are they doing the messaging for the, the people in quarantine?
2: Um, actually, they were super supportive. Um, I recently read in the, in the paper a guy that tried to, uh, he did an eight-day hunger strike, testing the people uh, in the facilities to see if they noticed. And what I didn't understand is why he bothered to do that. Um, the New Zealand Red Cross gave you a phone call every day if you wanted one to check on you. Um, you had to turn that down on your very first day. We had uh, every few days uh, you would uh, every day you would get a knock on the door and they would do a te- temperature check with a with a registered nurse who would come in full PPE, and that was every day. And then on top of that, um, on days three and twelve, you also had. Um, compulsory mandatory COVID tests so for a guy to say that he went eight days and no one noticed he was he did that to himself in order to make some kind of unrighteous stand to prove some point that no one really knows but the the mechanisms are in place to make sure that you're looked after when you arrive on your very first day you have a registered nurse and a member of the ministry of health who ask you all sorts of questions in order to ascertain what your needs are while you're in quarantine. So they actually ask you if you have any addictions or any mental health issues and how they can best support you. So when people were sneaking out and then using the excuse that they were alcoholics, for instance, and it doesn't fly because the Ministry of Health asks you straight up, when you first arrive, whether you have addictions and they take appropriate measures. The people that sneak out 100% are doing that for their own selfish needs and the, any aspersions that the government is not looking after them is completely false.
1: How do they manage to not have it feel like a prison?
2: Oh, dude, you're in a hotel room for 14 days. It's a you, There's no way that you can feel in a prison because if you ever visit a prison, it doesn't look like the... Stamford Plaza in central Auckland, you know, um, you've got your room. It's pretty nice. I took it as 14 days. You can go outside and walk around. Um, it it may be a prison for people who are unfamiliar with the correction system. Um, so let's hope all of us feel like that's our prison. But if you've ever been to a five-star hotel, that's not an, that, 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 that doesn't impede on my life in any way, shape or form. You have TV, you have internet, you have great food. They look after you. That's not a prison. You just you just, you're just just you you there out of protection for your community. And if you think that's a prison, dude, do, don't come home.
1: It's so what a did five-star
2: you... prison that doesn't exist anywhere else.
1: So what did you do to, to fill the time?
2: Um, I wrote a few articles for um, a couple of newspapers. Um, I read a lot. I tried to exercise like this much. They kept sending us muffins and food. The the quality of meal that we got there was amazing. The movies, oh, I had Netflix. So, you know, I binge-watched so much stuff. Um, I took a few online courses that I used um, to upskill myself on a few things as well. You make use of the time. Um, The people that struggle with it, it's more about the limitations of them as an individual, not the limitations of what the government provides you. They give you the tools. It's up to you how you build your time while you're there. And that's, that's, that's up to individuals. Um, all I can say is um, having done the uh, Australian equivalent, the New Zealand system has so much more care than what they do in Australia. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for how the, there was a level of empathy in New Zealand in comparison to the experience that I had in Australia.
1: So did you have a, a, a countdown calendar of, of when you were allowed out, or was it so luxurious you're thinking, this is quite nice, I think I'll stay for a bit? <laughs>
2: um, well, the Stanford Plaza, and I can only say wonderful things about the staff, the uh, military personnel, the police personnel there that looked after us, they were phenomenal. Um, not only were they understanding of what was going on, they understood the social circumstances that we were in. They gave us little bits of encouragement. Um, and on how to survive in that space, they didn't need to, but they did because Kiwis and Maori and Pacifica and the Indian community—they all made up the New Zealanders that were working in those hotels were just spectacular. Um, but like a two-year-old, sometimes you get a little bit bored just because you're bored. Um, but I, you know, I, Google's an amazing thing. With the internet, you can download books to read. You can keep yourself busy. If you choose to, if you need stimulations from other sources, then that's more of a you thing, not a New Zealand government thing.
1: Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Bowie's Magic Dance. Why this one?
2: Okay. Name me. What a song. What an artist. What a movie. Um, <laughs> what? How can you go past it? If you grew up in the 80s and you saw Labyrinth, it's this is an impossible song not to love. And David Bowie, what a legend.
3: You remember me as a babe. babe. babe? with the power. Power of voodoo. voodoo. You do. do I? Me babe. I saw my baby
4: crying for this babe.
3: What could I do? You remind me of the babe. Babe with the power. Power of voodoo. Voodoo. You do. Remind me of the babe. Dance,
4: dance, dance. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Dance, magic. What kind of magic spell to? You?
0: Um, the quarantine experience different between
2: here and Australia? Okay, for starters, in Australia, the only people that could leave their room were smokers. There wasn't the exercise regime. There wasn't the freedom to leave your room. So that immediately brings your world into a much smaller space. Um, They did give you um, regular phone calls, much similar to here, but it was more functional than it was caring. So the empathy wasn't there as well. I was also in a much smaller uh, isolation facility, and my room faced into an alleyway which had no natural light. So without natural light, your cons- my, my concept, and I can't speak for everybody that was in that space, but my concept of day and night suddenly became really blurred. And so when I left isolation, I had real social anxiety, especially around spatial awareness. Um, because my room was, in- was entirely too small, And so you couldn't run, you couldn't exercise, you couldn't walk anywhere. You were basically sedentary for 14 days straight. And while that might seem awesome to some people, um, mentally, it affects your state of mind. And when I got to the Brisbane airport to fly back to where I was living at the time, um, I went through probably about an hour of anxiety, just trying to figure out my spatial boundaries.
0: So did you go straight from that quarantine facility straight to the airport?
2: Yeah, yeah, I did. So um, in order for me to exit my room in Brisbane, and remember that Queensland is doing things very differently to what Melbourne, uh, Victoria, and New South Wales are. Queensland is doing something similar to New Zealand, but I felt without the empathy and without the human understanding. But different strokes, different folks, so I understand that. Um, The police actually escorted me out of my room walked me down to where I signed out, had a taxi cab waiting, put my bags in, and then I was gone. That was the sign-out procedure.
1: So you're back now. Where are you? Are you in Rotorua?
2: I'm 100% back in the centre of the universe uh, in Rotorua. And what are you up to? Um, at the moment, I'm doing a little bit of consultancy work, and I'm also uh, campaign managing for Tāmati Coffee. People may have heard of me. He's uh, been the Wairiki MP for the last three years um done a fantastic job here and uh a politician that i would hope that more people could get behind because he's someone that's doing this job out of love not out of necessity
1: we've talked to tamati but let's talk about your consulting what is it that you do
2: um i provide marketing uh advice uh which is essentially what a consultant does on how to manage through tourism uh, tourism business however COVID 19 has severely limited my market <laughs> but um that's in the international space New Zealand is about to go through a phenomenal change due to covid and we're about to get very introspective and I think that's really exciting because for the first time tourism and hospitality is going to look inwards instead of outwards and I think it's going to be a great conversation between business and clients that we haven't actually had for maybe over 40 years Not since the 1960s, before the open airs agreement that allowed international flights to become so available, will New Zealanders start to explore their own country? And with that comes New Zealanders exploring ourselves and asking ourselves what's important to us when we travel within ourselves. And that's an awesome, awesome moment because I think it's a great chance for us to discover ourselves again. In the digital age. we're so looking outwards that this COVID-19 is giving us an opportunity to look inwards. And that, I think, is beautiful in, in, in every single way because we're going to come out of this with a really great sense of ourselves. And we, we, we talk about mental health, but actually travel and tourism is actually a reflection of our cultural values. And if we're doing that within ourselves, then actually, as if we when borders do open, the Kiwis that are going to travel are going to be so sure of who they are they're going to be the best advertisement for this country we've ever had.
1: I think it's a missed opportunity that they didn't bring out. They don't leave town till you've seen the country.
2: Oh, yeah. No, Sam, I, I agree with you. Um, I, in my younger days, when I was thinner, better looking and wasn't so great, I used to be a tour guide uh, for a New Zealand company called Kontiki. And I had the greatest pleasure of my life um, taking international guests around New Zealand and showing off my own country. And one of the things that used to frustrate me were New Zealanders who had never, if you're from the South Island, they'd never been across Cook Strait. And if you're from Auckland, they'd never been south of the Bombays. But they had, they used to brag about having 27 stamps on their passport, but hadn't seen Wellington or hadn't seen Auckland or hadn't been to Queenstown. And now we're going to do that. And what could be cooler than Kiwis from Auckland seeing the West Coast? Um, Kiwis from... Christchurch, going up to the Bay of Islands, and seeing the hole in the rock, or everybody coming to Rotorua because this is basically the best place in New Zealand. You know, if I if, if I can say to anybody that there is one place in New Zealand they should visit, it's to see how Rotorua does it. Because we've been doing this for such a long time, this is what New Zealanders do when visitors come to us. We open our hearts, we open our homes, we open our arms and welcome them. And Rotorua has been the reflection of our cultural values since ever. And this is the, this, Rotorua isn't the birthplace of tourism. We're the birth people of tourism. And it's that personality that you should come for. And by the way, we've got awesome restaurants, bars, and everybody, and the the surroundings are spectacular. And we're only a short three-hour drive away from 2.5, level 2.5 Auckland.
1: (laughs) Do you think that the message has to change if, if you're trying to attract New Zealanders? It's, it's not just a matter of making it cheaper. There's, there's, is it repackaging somehow?
2: Oh, you are completely right, my man, that New Zealanders don't need a coffee table book of, op- of options. We know what our country has to offer. Why we visit places is because we want the feel the personality. We we don't wanna go there because it's got a lot of options. A lot of what we know, we can see the wood for the trees, but we wanna go somewhere where we feel welcome, where we're going to experience something that we want to have. And the tourism industry is in the business of selling moments, of bottling at Little Magic. You buy a Zorb because you're going to buy the two or three seconds that you're gonna remember of feeling amazing. You go to a winery for that two or three seconds, you're going to remember the taste. You go to a restaurant for the service and the quality of the meal. None of that's got anything to do with options of, of 20,000 options. It's got to do with the memory. And that's what Rotorua delivers and it has done forever. And that's why it's been one of the most popular destinations in the world. And, why, and in this post-COVID era, we're opening ourselves up for New Zealand to come and experience it again with us and maybe differently too um i can't i can't speak for how new zealanders will travel but there's a lot of opportunity there for personality and i think new zealanders are looking for authenticity in their tourism experiences they don't want the bs they don't want the fake international stuff they want the real new zealand because they're way past that. authenticity is going to be the buzzword that's going to fly around tourism and hospitality for the next two or three years, and rightly so. We are Kiwis. We know what we like and we definitely know what we don't like, but we don't say it. We just vote with our feet and we don't turn up. <laughs> Bubble sprite of the forest of Orokinui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie.
5: Kia aroha I hope you're all having the best day. Beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope that whatever is happening around you and wherever you are, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very nourishing, very rewarding, and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are. The triumph of nature's art, perfect unique and here making things better thank you so of course today is the day where i am triumphantly re-emerging back into consensus reality i have just been back to my favorite place of transformation tuning in bar Base, and i'm about to head off to my heart's home workplace orakanui eco sanctuary so it's a very very exciting day And it's a wonderful day for me, of course, to return to these spaces of belonging with lots of people that I really love. And I've been so grateful for their support over this time of healing and recovery. And, of course, supporting me to return and regain my strength. So, of course, beautiful Leslie, wife of amazing Sam, has been very supportive to me and actually booked in this 9.30 a.m. class to be there with me, which is so kind and will be helping me when we have 104 beautiful students visit us on Thursday at Oro So I'm feeling very, very grateful for that support. And I really hope that for all of you, you are seeing these connections in your life come through for you when you need that support. It's also been a great opportunity for me, while I have been having more time at home and more time in a restful reposing state to offer my support, to my beautiful connections that surround me and make sure I'm checking in with everyone and seeing how everyone is doing as we move through these times of change together. So I hope that for all of you, you're having the opportunity to take part in various forms of exchange. And of course, we are all constantly in relationship with all aspects of the world around us. Our beautiful, beautiful bodies Of course are constantly in action, whirring away, creating all different forms of exchange, whether it's beautiful oxygen and carbon dioxide, whether it's sugar, whether it's endorphins, whether it's amazing oxytocin, whether it's amazing dopamine, whatever it is, whether it's light coming in to our optic nerve, whatever it is, we are beings of exchange and I really hope that for you, you're seeing the benefits of the contributions that you're always making and what you are receiving in return. So of course, I've been very grateful for the opportunity to see that my body, which as we all know, I've been putting a lot of time and energy into for the last couple of years, really working on my my healing and my my strength levels is able to do just so much more than I thought it would be able to do which is really exciting for me I'm so relieved to find that and I think that we can all take strength from these forms of experience when we're pleasantly surprised by what we're able to do and what we hold in reserve and at times particularly when We are faced with new and unexpected challenges, as we all are at the moment. We can have moments of feeling unsettled and we can have moments of feeling destabilized. But when we are able to remember that in our true nature, in our true essence, we are strong, we are adaptable, we are so capable, and we come from an infinite web of survivors and visionaries, all life, has come before our life to make our life possible. And of course, we are here laying the foundations for that new life that's waiting to come into the world. And we are. And we're doing a great job. So I really hope for all of you, you're really enjoying this process of growth and exchange. And I'll look forward to talking to you more tomorrow. Thanks so much. kaki too.
0: I was thinking uh, about what you were talking about before, um, about us getting to know who we are again, and I think what's going to be quite interesting is that as people come to experience um, different activities in our towns, we're going to see those different faces, those different accents, and, and all of a sudden, they're not, we're going to have that realisation as a country that actually these are not visitors, these are our own people. Yes. That's
2: going to be really cool. I'm really, really, really excited for New Zealanders to be excited about us. Um, We still have that, we still suffer from that thing they call colonial cringe, where we don't value ourselves until we've been valued by someone outside of New Zealand. And that's not the right way to go. We We are world beaters in our own country, But for some reason, we need that endorsement from someone else to take value from us. And that's totally the wrong way to go about it. New Zealand, we're beautiful, we're sexy, we're fun, we're innovative. You don't need someone else to tell you that. You should just get it from us. But small country, bottom of the South Pacific, we still have that issue. But this COVID is giving us an opportunity to reimagine what that could be. You know, Taika Waititi was always awesome. He didn't need the rest of the world to tell him. The All Blacks were always the best rugby team. They didn't need to beat anyone to prove that. Um, you know, Flight of the Concords were hilarious before somebody outside of New Zealand laughed at them. Peter Jackson was imaginative before somebody else watched it. But we needed someone else to endorse him. And this is our chance to back our own before the rest of the world and for us to lead. And if anyone's proved what world leadership looks like without needing international approval, it's our prime minister. You know, like I'd give it up. The best marketing tool New Zealand's ever had is how awesome our prime minister is. And she has no interest in impressing anybody but her constituency, which happens to be our country. She's the best overseas marketer for our country. She's better than Fonterra. She's better than Anchor Milk. She's better than the All Blacks. She's more famous than Sir Edmund Hillary. And yet she doesn't care about anything other than the team of 5 million. Oh, my God. Tourism is crying out for the borders to open so we can pimp Jacinda out. I mean, Neve's more famous than Thingy. And we need to pimp (laughs) her, too, because they're going to bring people to our shores. And yet we still have colonial cringe.
1: Let's hope her eye doesn't fall out.
2: Well, wow, I mean, that was really weird, wasn't it? There was a, I think it was because he was made in Christchurch, you know, that Cantabrians had it too good. They didn't take care of their thingy.
1: We've seen lots of changes over the last few months. What do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick?
2: Actually, one, one of the things I noticed, the differences between, on, between being in New Zealand and Australia is the attitude that we had towards COVID and how our communities pulled together. Um, And I I put a lot of stock in the communal nature of both the Māori community and our Pacifica community. They were very focused on our rangatahi, our our young people, and our kaumātua, which is our old people. Um, That doesn't exist in Australia. They are literally the Western model for the nuclear family. Very insular, me for me, I for I. And so what I would hope, post-COVID, is that that communal attitude, that we're all in this together. That team of 5 million will carry us through because that actually is what's separating us from the rest of the world in a really awesome way. We, are, we were unified as a team of 5 million. And of course, we all went to primary school. We always had a couple of dickheads in our group of mates that we kind of tolerated. You know, the one that never bought a round of beers when he was at the pub? You know, the person that dropped the inappropriate joke? Or you make that farted while they were in the elevator. But the fact of the matter is is that most of us were unified as a country, and that is spectacular. The only times we ever come together like that is the finals of the Rugby World Cup.
1: What do we need to and do, do to, to make, what do we need to do to make that really stick?
2: To make it stick? Well, I kind of think we already know how to. And I think sometimes, and I'm, and this is a personal comment here, I sometimes think that our news media, in order to maintain their relevance, is looking for issues that don't necessarily exist. Um, if there's one thing that's come shining through uh, in the most recent COVID cases, is that New Zealand, they have COVID fatigue, but also they're suffering from media fatigue. What they want and what, our, what what the regular New Zealander wants from their media and their politicians is to not be a factor in their lives. They want to, because our lives are busy. We've got jobs, we've got kids, we got sports, we got carbohydrates and keto diets and all sorts of other bad musical choices and Netflix. We don't need Judith Collins coming into our house for five to 10 minutes every day. What we really want to do is for people we want to trust that our government's gonna look after us and that our media is going to just give us the facts and stop trying to find problems that we don't care about. And that is a a skill of reading the room. And I can honestly say this: New Zealand wishes Cameron Bennett was still around. And real journalism was what like it was because right now we're still suffering from the nine years where the national government was in. And they were trying to play gotcha politics. Oh, we caught you out on a tiny fact. Don't care anymore. I want to go to work. I want to pay my bills. I want to play rugby. I want to lie on the couch watch and watch Netflix. I want to watch the Umbrella Academy season two. I don't want to hear some dude who's found a tiny fault in something fix the fault and then tell me you fixed it.
1: What lessons do you think we can take from this COVID experience for the more intergenerational questions, climate change, social justice, and so on?
2: If anything that COVID-19 has proved is that we do care about our intergenerations. Young people stayed home because they cared about their old people old people stayed home because they were wanting to reduce the burden on their friends and family we know how to take a hit for the team new zealand did that other countries did it and and again i'm going to circle back to this media problem they kept trying to compare us to countries that were doing it better according to them and then after that it all came out on the watch. We did it best. Sorry, Sweden. New Zealand did it better. Sorry, Australia. We did it better. The United States and the UK were a- terrible. The economy is only only filled with people buying stuff. And we looked after the people and we proved that. And that is the intergenerational amazingness that happened here. People before money. And that used to be what New Zealand stood for. And I would hope that's what New Zealand stands for moving forward. In New Zealand, we value people before anything else. That's why we have the saying, tato, tato.
1: Let's have Charlie Puth with We Don't Talk Anymore. Why this one?
2: Um, I actually think it's a really honest conversation between two people who have broken up. And it's got a sick baseline.
4: We don't talk <laughs> anymore. All of it.
1: some questions to end the show with what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years
2: oh the biggest success is always personal Um, you know money comes and goes but actually one of the things I've really enjoyed about um, being away has been the friends that you make and um, nothing makes you prouder to be a Kiwi than not living in New Zealand (laughs) And I encourage everybody to take the opportunity when the borders open safely for to travel away and live away and experience what other cultures have because it makes you appreciate what Aotearoa is. And for all our Māori rangatahi out there, go away, go travel the world because you're exotic, you know, and no, you might not feel it when you're living in Teiko or Ruotori or any of these other small places, and you know, maybe in Mosgill, but when you're overseas, God damn, Māori are sexy. Oh, the people that ask you if you're Māori and if you can speak a little bit of the language is spectacular. Boys and girls, do it. It's one of the greatest experiences you can ever have.
1: So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. So you're on our team, our team of people doing good work. What's the superpower that's got you there?
2: Oh, honestly... The only superpower I really, really had is cuddles on the big. I cuddle. I open my arms and I'm going to put them around people and just show them that love is tactile. You know, nothing makes you feel better than a hug and a cuddle. And actually, that's what where the Māori mirimiri massage comes from. It's mother's touch. It makes you feel better. And there's no one can deny that if you're having a bad day, just getting a hug, from whoever makes you feel better and that's a superpower I can have I'd love to have that
1: do you consider yourself to be an activist
2: I consider myself to be a citizen and that's the highest honor that you can have in any society you know an active participant and what our democracy looks like an active participant in my kōpapa and my whanau Maori and being a New Zealander I'm not just Maori I'm not just half Quarter Welch, I'm not just Tongan I'm in New Zealand and I'm damn proud of that and I actively support that and we all should for people to be passive about their democracy is to say they don't care about their freedoms and rights and that is, that is while well, jumping on the train and just allowing it to crash
1: What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
2: Usually sunlight but <laughs> The thing that gets me out of bed is, on a personal level is the idea that, that we've, we've got a part to play in our society, helping people. What What's the best thing you can do? Is look after other people. And people matter. All our people, Māori, Pakehao, Pacifica, Agent, doesn't matter what color or extreme end of whatever you are. You're part of our country, which makes you part of our team, and I support you.
1: What challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so?
2: Oh, the post-COVID world and what that would look like. And um, it's not a challenge I'm looking forward to. It's a challenge we're all going to have to face as a country and, and as, as a planet. Um, I don't want to look forward to it because I've got no idea what it will be. But I believe that as a country, New Zealanders will do what we do best and we'll do it in a way that's unique to us and we'll be exemplary at it because that's what we are. And I just wish that my confidence will translate over to the confidence of other New Zealanders. Have faith in us as people.
1: And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners?
2: Ah. If I had any advice for anybody, is that ask for help when you need it and be confident with you. Um, If there's one thing New Zealanders aren't well known for, we're we're too humble for our own good, and sometimes that comes across as disbelief, believe in you. New Zealand is awesome, and actually we're wonderful, loving, giving people, and we are a team of 5 million and we're so much more than rugby racing and beer. You know, we're rugby racing beer and really bad B grade movies. And they're awesome too. You know, come come, come, to Rotorua and experience it. Get out there and experience all of New Zealand. You know, Queenstown isn't just the only tourism place you can go to. Go out for dinner in Masterton. Go to a pub in Waiotapu. Visit Ruatoki If you haven't walked around Waikaremoana, do it. You'll see something you haven't done before. But explore us before you ever think that we should open a border to the Cook Islands or anywhere else because we have it all here. So to New Zealanders, believe in yourself. Ask for help when you need it and explore Aotearoa first because you'll be so surprised at what you get. And when you get it, it'll be the soul food that will sustain you. Let's take it from a Kiwi that's been mostly everywhere in the planet and nowhere's like home. I mean, uh, Dorothy said it when she was at the Wizard of Oz, she had to tap those red shoes together to get there, but no no places like home.
1: Thank you for that. Maura.
0: Um, Jack and I made a list of 10 places that we want to visit. And uh, depending on our budget, um, that determines which one we're doing. But we are, um, so at least every two weeks, we're going, we're ticking off a new place off our list. So that's our thing. That's our way of exploring. And uh, and I encourage everyone else to do that. It was actually really fun just going through the process. And then when we're done those 10, we'll do another 10.
2: Oh, beautiful. It, again, we uh, from where you guys are, go to Waikare Moana. It will change your perspective. I on- love it there. Every year we go.
1: It's incredible. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. we broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Wan in Soyuz Bay Dunedin with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and Hayden Mariner in Rotorua. We hope you enjoyed the
3: show. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your stress. I mean uh bare necessities or mother nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life wherever i wander wherever i roam i couldn't be found off my big home the bees are buzzing in the tree to make some honey just for me when you Look under the rocks and plants and take a glance at the fancy ants, then maybe try a few. The bare necessities of life will come to you, they'll come to you Man, this is really living. So just try and relax. Yeah. Cool it. Fall apart in my backyard. Because let me tell you something, little wretches. If you act like that bee acts, uh-uh, you're working too hard. And don't spend your time looking around For something you want That can't be found When you find out You can live without it And go along Not thinking about it I'll tell you something true The bare necessities Of life will come to you Look for the best Necessities, The simple bare necessities Forget about your worries and your strife I mean the bare necessities That's why a bear can rest at ease With just the bare necessities of life Yeah, with just the bare necessities of life Yeah, A word of advice to all New Zealanders Don't
4: leave town till you see the country